You're listening to Canada Reads American Style, the only podcast by two librarians from Michigan who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our hosts, tech guru, baker, and historical romance reader Shauna, and content provider, dog lover, and nonfiction and realistic fiction reader Rebecca. Hello, and welcome to Canada Reads American Style. I'm Shauna. And I'm Rebecca. And in the fall of 2020, Shauna and I put out a call and asked others on Bookstagram for funny book recommendations because we really, truly needed something to laugh about at the end of last year. And Son of a Critch was a popular choice from the readers and a book that we both absolutely loved. So today, we are very excited to have comedian, star of CBC Television's This Hour Has 22 Minutes, and author of national bestsellers, Son of a Critch and An Embarrassment of Critches. So welcome, Mark Critch. Thank you. It's my big honor to be here. Thank you so much for, for thinking of a little old Canadian. So my question, my first question is, have you done any other interviews for uh, American podcasts or anything like that? Are we your first? I, uh, you know what, you may, you may well be my first American podcast. I've done... Uh, uh, British ones. I've done lots of Canadian ones, but I think very well, you may well be the very first. So uh, congratulations. I don't know how that gets you, but it's a big, uh, big treat for me. We're going to put that in the notes to maybe really highlight that we were the first Americans. So I think yeah. that's excellent. So Americans are good at discovering things like, you know, and, and planting flags like on the moon. So I, I consider myself uh, a flag planted atop my giant head. <laughs> excellent. I love that. Okay. So Truthfully, most of our listeners uh, for our podcast are in Canada, but we do have a lot from the U.S. and actually around the world. So many of them will already know everything about you. And honestly, some of our listeners, maybe not so much. The first thing I want to ask you is kind of to go back and reference your first memoir, which was absolutely hilarious, but also really beautiful in so many ways. But I wanted to know uh, how you would describe growing up in Newfoundland, because it is different than probably what most non-Canadians know about when we think about Canada. Yeah, so Newfoundland, if I was an American, uh, I would explain that uh, we are an island uh, province uh, partially. Labrador is the official name of Newfoundland and Labrador. So Labrador is, is a part of um, the uh, land attached to the North American continent. And Newfoundland is this little island like a uh, of, uh, uh, the Canadian cold version of Hawaii. We, we joined our countries around the same time. We were our own nation. Uh, we had our own flag. We fought with our own uh, regiment during the First World War. Uh, we joined Canada or they joined us in, in 1949. And the fishery is what uh, really propelled our province for hundreds of years. Now it's more uh, oil and gas and tourism. And Americans would also know us as the place that uh, took planes in after 9-11. And there's a Broadway musical about Newfoundland and Labrador called Come From Away. But growing up there, it's a small population, 500,000 people on a giant landmass. And it's very, it was about very safe growing up. It was very much Catholic and Protestant, very Irish uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, wicked senses of humor because there's lots of tragedies uh, when people work on the sea and things like that and harsh weather. So people developed a, a pretty uh, uh, a dry, acerbic sense of humor. 
So a lot of comedians, a lot of musicians come from Newfoundland because it's such a, 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 a small place with little communities and you need to entertain each other through the cold, long winter. So you better be able to do something. I am not very uh, talented, so I talk basically for a living. So that's about it. Uh, and uh, yeah, that no, was a wonderful place, funny and very welcoming. And it's one of the friendliest places in the world and uh, a great place to grow up. And it's really, is it really beautiful too? Because I, I sort of sense that people talk about uh, Atlantic Canada and it's the beauty of it, of the natural sort of beauty of it. Yeah, you know, in the summers we'll get icebergs that come down uh, out in the water, big giant icebergs, whales hop out. I've seen dozens and dozens of whales jumping out of the water in my life and splashing down big green rolling hills uh, some mountains uh, lush uh, nature and uh, waterfalls big a big giant waterfall here uh, churchill falls powers not only newfoundland and labrador and other provinces but also quebec just you know so it's it's a place of natural wonders sort of like iceland if Iceland had a drinking problem, I would say would be how I would describe the, the, the lush fruit. It's like it's 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 like uh, Iceland, uh, New Zealand and Newfoundland and Labrador are sisters and Newfoundland and Labrador is probably the, the harder sister who didn't get asked to the dance as much, but was way more fun to hang out with. I have to tell you that Shauna has told me that I am not allowed to laugh out loud because she doesn't want to have to try to edit all that out. So I just want our <laughs> listeners to know I'm laughing, but I'm keeping my, my mouth shut. So, okay. Thank you for that description. I think it's, it's fantastic. It paints now, a picture. Yeah. In the first chapter of An Embarrassment of Critches, which is your new book, it begins with your father asking you, what do you want to do when you grow up? And you seem to have made a, a truly conscious decision to pursue comedy and acting without heading to New York or Los Angeles or Toronto. And I wondered, in the beginning of your idea of your career, what did you Im imagine success would look like? For me, I never want, I, I really wanted to be, I grew up in a place where there's a lot of theater and comedy and music in Newfoundland and Labrador. And I guess it's like Ireland in a lot of ways in that we really celebrate our entertainers and writers. And, and we write very specific stuff about the place we're in and the culture. And for me, I, it was always to be a part of that tradition. And I wanted to write Newfoundland and Labrador stories, and, which are a bit different than Canadian stories in a lot of ways, because we had our own identity, because we only joined in, in 49. And, uh, and we had a much longer history than the country we joined, really. So I'd look around. There were uh, shows like a show called Codco, and wonderful grand band. These were um, on TV, and these were local comedians who had gotten a national audience. And that sort of thing is always what appealed to me was being able to not have to change my accent, or I never wanted to be, you know, cousin Larry on Three's Company or uh, something like that. Like I didn't want to just go. I want to get on a sitcom. I want to get on a sitcom. I want to get rich. I, like that never interested me. It was always like writing and telling my own stories and being able to do those uh, for a living, whether that living was great and fantastic or just eking by, that, that was what I wanted to do. And it kind of worked out better than I expected, but uh, I never expected uh, fame and fortune or anything like that. I lived in Los Angeles in my early twenties and everybody I knew 
they were there to be an actor, singer, dancer, whatever. And I remember them asking me what, what I was doing. And I thought, I'm, I'm just living here. I wasn't planning to do anything <laughs> like that. So I, yeah, that's interesting. Thank you. Now, you also share details about your interaction. I love the book, Embarrassment of Critches, because it wasn't, I learned so much. And I'm the kind of person that when I read something, I look everything up. So I was looking up the names of all the politicians. So I learned a lot that I didn't know. And I absolutely loved it. I thought it was so fascinating, your whole, that, that sort of young adulthood kind of path. But you detail your interaction with many politicians and celebrities and end with a chapter on Justin Trudeau. And then you state, comedy is not an exact science. Sometimes I made mistakes. And I'm wondering, what do you see as your biggest mistake? And have any of those mistakes kept you up at night? Well, I, I think comedy can be, it's, a, it's you know, a double-edged sword. It can make someone's, you know, you, you want to be laughing with people, not at people. I always think of uh, cartoons, you know, in a, in, a, in a newspaper or an old silent movie. It's funny when Charlie Chaplin kicks the the hobo kicks the policeman in the bum and runs away but it's not funny if the policeman kicks the tramp in the bum and runs away same thing same action two same people involved it's just who kicks who is, is what makes it you know right or wrong and so i always thought about kicking up you know the politicians and things like that but they're always they're people too and they have their own troubles and their own reasons they are trying in their own way one would hope for the most part, to do right by people. And there was this, uh, and sometimes when somebody gets maybe uh, uh, a bystander uh, gets taken out by a joke or it affects their life in a different way, uh, I feel a bit bad. There's one member of parliament uh, in Canada and uh, by the name of Carolyn Parrish and she was very upset with George Bush and the Iraq war and the whole axis of evil and Dick Cheney of it all. And um, she said things like, oh, Americans, I hate the bastards and things like this. And it had gotten picked up by uh, microphones, it had been the press and the prime minister had been asked about it because George Bush was coming for a visit. And it was this little thing that was, you know, it, it, it had become an issue, but it wasn't huge. And so I had her on the show and I brought along a little George Bush doll and I was trying to get her to apologize to the doll. And while we're filming, we're doing some what we call B-roll. So it's, you know, the part of a news story when the person isn't being interviewed, but for some reason there's voiceover over them making photocopies in the office, that kind of a thing. So we're just doing that. And she take, she'd taken the George Bush doll, tossed it on the ground and stomped on it. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that might be fine. I don't know, maybe we use that, maybe not. But when it was being fed up through the system, because we had to fly back to Halifax where we tape our show, and we were in Ottawa. And um, so we were, it had been ingested kind of before uh, you could just take the, a, a disc and run with you. Uh, it was being sent to Toronto, then to Halifax through satellites. Someone there knew, saw it. Before my plane landed, they had run the raw footage and said, here's Carolyn Parrish stopping on a George Bush doll. And by the time I landed, it had become an international incident. The prime minister asked her to step down. Uh, the the uh, White House in the uh, in, in the uh, press conference, the White House there asked about it, and uh, there was all this worry about how what would happen when George Bush came and all that. And so her career kind of really hit the brakes. And it, it, it I had it wasn't really my fault because it, it had gotten taken away, but I certainly regretted 
putting her in that uh, position for the, the way it happened, you know? And sometimes when you're dealing with big figures, like on our show, people get in trouble for things they say or do, or uh, it affects them in some way or another. And so, yeah, if it ever gets away uh, and it's not the in intent of what's going to happen, then I, I certainly do regret that kind of thing. But we're friends now. We keep in touch. I gave her the George Bush doll and her grandchildren play with it. Now, when before you started on Twenty Two Minutes, were you really into politics? I mean, did you were you was that something you were really passionate about or stayed on top of? Well, growing up uh, in Newfoundland and Labrador, politics is sport. You know, like you talk about it on the they're big personalities with big accents, and they call each other names, and they're very passionate. So it's it's, in, it's way more interesting than politics at other places. So you are well aware of it growing up. I had uh, done sketch comedy. In a, in a show called Review. And every year we would do a, a local TV show and do stage shows to like a thousand people a night and tour the province. And it's a review of comedy sketches of the news from the last year. As a look back at the year that was. And I also wrote a column for the local paper um, talking about politics, making fun of it. And I would do radio commentaries on CBC, which is our like our BBC. So yeah, I was always well aware of what was going on and had been kind of preparing for the 22 minutes fake news uh, desk kind of a thing pretty much my whole life in a lot of ways. Well, I, I know too that one of the people I read a lot about is Doug Ford. So mm. I, I kind of follow a little bit of Canadian politics and I know Doug Ford is always under fire by everybody. So I think no matter which side you're on, I guess. But um, now, as many of our listeners know by now, I'm sure pretty much everybody knows this. Son of a Critch has been made into a new comedy series. I'm so excited, I cannot wait. And I'm just wondering if you can talk about that experience and when it might air and will Americans be able to watch it or how's that going to go? Yeah, it airs on CBC in uh, January 4th. It will air, there are 13 episodes. It will, um, we are now in the process of talking about Lionsgate. Uh, is a great company and they are our international distributors and our American partners. And they are currently shopping it around. Um, and it looks, I'm fairly confident uh, that we will be able to announce fairly soon uh, some sort of a, uh, a, an American uh, channel in which, and a streaming service in which you can view it. Um, I think it gets first play in Canada and then it will be coming your way, I would hope and imagine. But yeah, so this is the uh, TV version of my first book. My good buddy, Tim McAuliffe, who was a writer and producer for The Office and with Jimmy Fallon and Last Man on Earth and a bunch of shows. So he said, this is really should be a TV show. And so we pitched it to Project 10, Andrew Burnsley, uh, uh, who uh, produced Schitt's Creek. And he loved it. And then next thing we went to CBC and they bought it. And next thing we're on off to the races. And then for casting, I had to find the young me. And uh, we hired this wonderful casting agency who had done a lot of work in Ireland that had uh, done a lot of the casting for Game of Thrones. And they found me this guy, Benjamin Evan Ainsworth. And Benjamin is uh, just turned 13. He is playing Pinocchio in the new live action Disney Pinocchio opposite Tom Hanks as Geppetto. And he was just in a show called The Haunting of Blind Manor on Netflix, which is a great show. It's a kind of like a scary show and he's terrifying in it. And, uh, but he's a wonderful young man, best child actor I've ever seen, probably one of the best actors I've ever seen, it's incredible. And then through that same agency, 
they suggested getting the scripts of Malcolm McDowell, star of Clockwork Orange and Entourage and Time After Time and a million things. And he asked for the scripts and then he asked to read the book. And then he, we had a great conversation and he said, I'll do it. I want to do it. So we have a fantastic cast. Some people there listening might know this guy, Alan Doyle from the band Great Big C and also another great author and a great singer songwriter who's been in all kinds of movies like Robin Hood with Russell Crowe and stuff too. And he's incredible. He's scoring the show with my friend Keith Power from Newfoundland who scored the uh, Hawaii Five O, the new version of a bunch of shows in the States. So we have an all-star team. Uh, the show is, uh, may surprise people, it's got a lot of heart. Um, it's probably as, as touching as it is funny. And it's very funny. And we have some great directors too. Jay Baruchel, who is a well-known uh, actor, comedian, uh, also an author, but um, a lot of people will know him from his movies with people like uh, Seth Rogen and that. He directed some of it. And um, yeah, so I couldn't be happier. It's the best thing I've ever done by far. And I, I can't wait for people to see it. I think they're going to fall with the characters and this amazing cast. And it, it, I think they're really going to enjoy it. So do you think it'll be like Schitt's Creek in the sense that it will like carry on for seasons. I mean, you don't see this as like a short run season or series. Well, no, we, we shot first episode, first season of 13 episodes. And that was the year of me in grade seven. So it, the first episode is the first day of school. The last episode is the last day of school. And we go through Halloween and Christmas and everything, the whole, the school dance and all, every, everything that's going to happen to you. Um, it's set in 1986. And so hopefully then we would do the eighth grade uh, next year. Yeah. So we could go, we could go for a while. This this podcast could conceivably be in season 32. So uh, hang on. The person playing you might not have been born yet. It's going to be very <laughs> exciting. You, yeah, there you go. Well, I have to say in the first book, uh, the, the thing that I love, the thing that made me laugh, and every time I thought about it or reread the line, it made me laugh out loud. And I, I just, it was when you had written a letter to excuse yourself from band practice. Mm -hmm. And you just, I, I said to everybody that I talked to, I said, it was hilarious. The thing that was so hilarious about it was you would just lie and yeah. you didn't, there was no shame in your game at all. You would just lie and you would just try to cover your tracks. And I just thought that was so funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah that whole, you know, uh, yeah. The nuns made me play the cello and that's an episode actually of, of the show. Um, they forced me to play the cello. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's quite interesting to see. They recreated my whole uh, childhood home. And some of my, the furniture that was in my parents' house is actually in the set. It's incredible. And uh, it's a really good looking show too. It's chopped beautifully. And uh, I, I really think people like it. I hope they do anyway. And it's, when they, it comes out, um, uh, I had to get you guys in a couple episodes and what you, let me know what you think about it. Oh, absolutely. So my question then related to the series is, did you, when you wrote your book and it was published in, I think it's 2018, did you even remotely in your wildest dream think this might happen? No, God, no, that's never the plan. You know, it was just trying to, you know, it's just fast. It's just nice to get it out there and a little tribute to my parents and, uh, and, and the people who, who raised me, who knit me, as we say here. And, uh, no, never had an idea. My friend Tim suggested it. And I thought, oh, that seems like, I don't know. That seems silly. And then we went to the Just for Laughs Festival um, in, in Montreal that summer. And we had written up a document. We pitched it to a couple of places. And there was a lot of interest. And CBC just kind of bought it on the spot. So um, off we were to the races. And then it was, it's very different. It's a lot different than the book. You know, it's a different sort of a, 
uh, it's a different medium, medium I, I know well, but it was a different form of the medium I know well. So it was really nice. I learned a lot, um, and, but it is exactly what I wanted to do. And this is like the first time I've ever, because I'm executive producer, showrunner, writer, I'm playing my father in the show. So it was first time I've been able to say, no, no, it's going to happen like this. That's it. No, this is the song we're playing. This is the wallpaper. This is the, like, you get to make all these decisions. So if this fails, it is completely my fault. But if it's a, a success, it's, it's, uh, it's because of everyone working on it. But, but if, it's fa if it fails, it will be Critch's folly. Don't you worry. And you'll never hear from me again. There will be no third book. It'll just be me in the corner going, you know who I used to be? I used, I used to play Donald Trump on TV. Okay, sir, you're going to have to leave. It's true. I was tremendous. I really was. I was the best ever and the best writer of books next to the Bible. But our Lord said, it's a pretty good book. He's a personal friend and he golfs at Mar-a-Lago. So like that would be me. Sir, you had to move on. So we hope, we hope it'll be okay. Okay, thank you so much for doing your Donald Trump impression for me. I, that's my favorite. I think, you, <laughs> I think seriously, I think yours is better than the other sort of famous one that gets played a lot. But anyway, um, well, you kind of mentioned something and here's my last question for you, but you kind of mentioned a little bit here. Um, so Shauna and I absolutely, like millions of people around the world, absolutely love both memoirs and we're wondering if you have more books in your future or it sounds like you're going to be probably too busy with everything else that you're doing you know i really enjoy writing the books you know and and it's and it's lovely to have them out and what's a great thing is you meet wonderful people like yourselves who've read them and enjoyed them and have questions about them and and so it's it's a much more i find writing books to be a much more personal way of uh, communicating with people than doing stand-up or sketches or what or acting or whatever it's it stays with people longer they have their own version of it in their head they so it's lovely to see as well like like you just mentioned uh, uh, the, uh, a passage that connected to you so it's, it's neat hearing different things that other people like about it i'd like to do another memoir that's more uh, uh maybe a bit more disjointed not like a section this year to that year but just David Sedaris style kind of, uh, uh, you know, different short stories. And uh, there's a novel I want to try. So there's all kind of stuff like that. I think I might try the novel thing next because I have a really, uh, an idea that's been ticking in my head for a while and I just kind of get it out. So it's like, there, that's out. So that might be next. But, you know, for right now, if, if the series is successful, then I have another 13 episodes to come up with. This is really exciting to focus on this now because... Uh, uh, it's just so wonderful to work with all these people. And, uh, and Malcolm McDowell is just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And this young man, Benjamin Evan Ainsworth, is great. Um, uh, we have a lot of young people in the cast, and they're all wonderful. So it's, uh, it's, it's just been it's a great, great time to, uh, to be uh, creative. It's fantastic. Well, Mark, we cannot thank you enough for chatting with us. And definitely, I have to say, when you get your novel out there, especially... That would be really exciting. So we would love to have you come back and chat with us in, in the future. I will chat with you anytime. Uh, Rebecca, Shana, you're just fantastic. And, and I really appreciate you. Uh, uh, of all the books you could talk about, uh, Pick a Mai, it's a real honor. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe on Instagram at Canada Reads of American Style. Bye.